Hello and welcome into another episode of Locked on Wolves. Today on the show, we're going to talk about Carl Anthony Towns and Anthony Edwards, mostly Ant's comments from the start of training camp and just how mature he sounds. It really sounds like the Timberwolves superstars are in the right mindset at the start of camp. Also previewing last year's rookies, the Wolves second year players, Josh Minot, Wendell Moore Jr. Could either of them carve out a role on this year's Timberwolves team? It's all coming on the show. Welcome in. You are Locked on Wolves. You are Locked on Timberwolves. Your daily Minnesota Timberwolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Wolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. My name is Ben Beacon. I'm the host of Locked On Wolves. Happy Friday, everybody. Happy weekend and happy start to Timberwolves training camp. First of all, a big thank you for making Locked On Wolves your first listen every single day. Of course, this show is free and available everywhere, including YouTube, as well as all of your favorite audio platforms. Wherever you like to listen to podcasts, you can find Locked On Wolves. You can also watch on the Locked On Sports Minnesota app on both Roku and Amazon Fire TV. And you can follow on Twitter at Locked On T Wolves and at B Beacon. That's with two B's, two E's, C K E N. All right. Uh, training camp kicked off. Earlier this week, and Thursday was uh, basically media day, and there was a number of quotes floating around out there. I think the most telling and most encouraging, really, is Anthony Edwards talking about the expected noise surrounding the whole whose team is this conversation. And, and frankly, like, I mean, I, I've been, when I guest on podcasts and radio shows, I've been asked that question going back two years now. Like basically after Ant's rookie season, it was, whose team is this now? Is it Cat or is it Ant? And I think a big part of this has to do with the uh, this this want, for whatever reason, to move on from Carl Thiddy Towns as a star. I, I don't, like, I've talked about this before, and it's a really hard thing to quantify and also to, to put words to it without, you know, to, to do this in a tactful way. But there seems to be this... Um, this this movement, especially national media, or, or at least people that don't cover the Timberwolves, that are ready to move on from Cat as a superstar. And I don't know if it's they find his uh, interviews occasionally, uh, you know, he says what you want to hear, although I think that's less true now than when he was a rookie. At times, you know, the way he, certainly the way he complains to referees, like his personality sometimes can be a challenge for for people that don't watch the Timberwolves day in and day out, well, for people that do watch the Timberwolves day in and day out, or at least the way he's portrayed or the way it comes across, right? And of course, everybody that's ever played with Cat or covered Cat or coached Cat says he's a great guy. Like the the to a person, his teammates have all really loved him. The only issue was Jimmy Butler, and it that was a little bit more ambiguous what was really going on there. And and it's still never really been completely defined. And we could tell ourselves different stories around that. But uh, also, Cat would be hardly the first teammate that Jimmy Butler's had issues with, and uh, like. It's just it's just this weird thing where people are just like, yeah, you know what? It's like like for instance, the player ranking stuff that we dealt with in August, um, and and how many player ranking systems that dropped Carl Anthony Towns from the mid twenties in terms of his his player rank for the season from last year into like the forties this year, and all the guy did was miss fifty two games, and he's in the prime of his career from a from an age standpoint, and you're gonna lo- you're gonna drop him 25 spots or whatever. It just seems kind of crazy. And that's, in my opinion, where a lot of this stems from. So 
anyway, with with that in mind, and I don't, I don't think I'm off base. Like this isn't a complete straw man. I mean, if if you follow the Timberwolves, you, you know what I'm talking about. You you know that the national shows, uh, the the people that are engaging Timberwolves fans and reporters are asking whose team is it, and you know. Like now, frankly, even nationally, I think the, the storyline isn't a question. It's, hey, this is Ant's team because of what he did with Team USA. And of course, Team USA finished in you know fourth place. So it's like, it's I'm not at all discounting what Ant did. And clearly, Steve Kerr said he was the guy. Like everybody there said he was the guy. And he was the guy. But we still need to see Ant. It, it, we could argue the same thing about Cat. What he does on the court has to translate to winning. And Tim Connolly said this as part of the media day. He said, look, if we want to be taken seriously, we have to we have to win a playoff series, which, I mean, it goes without saying, but I'm glad he said it, right? Still, and I know if you're listening to this podcast, you undoubtedly know this, the Timberwolves only one time in their now 35-year history have they won a playoff series. And of course, they won two that year back in 2004. They've won individual games here and there, and, and at least that's become a little bit more of a regular occurrence versus the what 17 year drought or whatever it was um, between playoff appearances. I think, yeah, I don't know. I'm, or I guess it was 15 years in between playoff appearances and like once in 17 or 18 years was kind of the deal. The Butler year is the only one. And at least now they made the playoffs two years in a row, right? That's great. And they've won at least one game in each of the last two years. They still haven't won a series since 04. So, that's kind of where some of this is coming from. Is like, hey, is this now Ant's team? Because Cat has been here for nine years and they haven't. It's like, well, I mean, yes, Ant's only been here three years, but they still haven't won a playoff series with Ant either. So all that to say, the question, and John Krasinski of The Athletic did a good job writing this up. I, the headline of his article is, are the Wolves Anthony Edwards or Carlton Towns team? Who cares, they say. And the, essentially, I just want to, I'm focused on this one quote from Ant. He says, Quote, that's what people try to do, man. They try to like break you up. Who's the best player? You or Cat. Who should take or who should take the last shot? You or Cat. And I don't think it's about any of that. Let's stop for a second and recognize just how savvy and intelligent Anthony Edwards is. Now, savvy is not a word that I would necessarily have used to describe him in the media until this very moment. I never have in the past. Clearly, he had some issues with some of the social media stuff about a year ago. There was something, actually, I think even last offseason, obviously, there's there's been these moments that the chair thing coming off the court in Denver, which, by the way, is basically a non-issue, but like that's part of what this narrative could be around um Ant's immaturity and, you know, some of the, a couple years ago when he made the McDonald's, did the McDonald's order at the, at the, uh, the podium, at the press conference, like there's some of this stuff that Ant just hasn't been, because I mean, he was 19, right? But this is such a mature answer. And I'm sure the Team USA experience opened his eyes to this stuff. Because remember that question he was asked, which is a hundred percent an inappropriate question from a, I forget what country the reporter was from. But they asked Anthony Edwards which who which teammate he would rather trade, Rudy Gobert or Carl Anthony Towns, which is he he basically he gave he gave the standard like, of course I don't want to trade either of them, and then he like went back to the reporter and basically was like, I forget exactly what he said. Basically was like, why would you ask me that? It, essentially, is it was the was the um, the gist of it. So Ant is starting to figure out how this game is played, and he's not going to play the game. And what I'm really looking forward is for forward to is for Anthony Edwards to have a monster season and start getting asked some of these questions on a national stage. Because this quote that he just gave, you're not going to see that nationally anywhere. 
Nobody wants you to know. Nobody's, and I'm not, I don't mean for this to sound like, hey, we're tinfoil hat club here. But like, if you're, if you're a Timberwolves fan, I'm not saying there is a, like a massive conspiracy against the Wolves. Let me be really clear. I shouldn't have to say that, but let me say that. Um, and hopefully if you're a regular listener, you know, this is a, I, I give level headed takes here. I'm not saying there's this national conspiracy against the Timberwolves and, and uh, Anthony Edwards and Carl Anthony Towns. What I am saying is that there's a lazy, uh, th- a tendency to fall into a lazy narrative at the national level, which is obvious. And oftentimes that narrative is because everybody wants something to talk about, right? So it's, oh, the stars unhappy in this market. It isn't even always small markets. Like they do it to the guys in the big markets too, right? Like how often are they asking players if they want to be traded in big markets? It happens all the time. I don't think it's necessarily big market versus small market, except for Patrick Beverly's podcast comment, which I think is just Pat Bev being Pat Bev. But the media wants stuff to to hang their hat on. They want stuff that they can they can push. They want that narrative, right? So in this case, that narrative could be, whose team is this? Ant says it's his team. Cat says it's his team. But they're not going to play that game. Cat just won't because because he won't. Like he's never done that. And Ant gets it now, and he's also more willing to say what's on his mind than Cat. Cat is going to give you, um, he's going to give you the standard non-answer answer. Ant is going to tell you he doesn't like your question or be brutally honest that, hey, this isn't a thing. Like, I'm not letting this happen here. And that's what he's doing. It is so savvy that he's out in front of this and seeing this for what it is already and very encouraging for the season to come, both on the court and off the court. Because the Timberwolves can't have that distraction. Ant can't have that distraction. He has to have a big year. Of course, Carl Anthony Towns has to have a big year too. But it's so encouraging. For Ant to take a look at this and be like, no, you guys aren't going to do this to me. And I'm not suggesting that John or, or the Minnesota media is doing that. I, I'm I'm saying that that uh, the Minnesota media was getting in front of what that national narrative is. And actually, um, like, I, there's other Ant comments out there where he said essentially the same thing about how they can't win games by themselves and, and it's a team thing. Um, and it's, again, I'll say, I'll say this another way. It's very refreshing. Right. To have a a star who's now I mean, he's now 22 and to have another star, Carl Anthony Towns, who's what, 28, um, who are on the same page here. And we'll see how it looks on the court. And this doesn't you know, I'm not including Rudy in this conversation. I think I think Rudy's going to be a team player as well. But there's lots of different personalities and playing styles that need to mesh. And, And this this answer from Ant is so encouraging that he's not going to play this game. And if the Timberwolves get off to a really good start. Perhaps the Vultures will circle. I don't know. Um, again, from a national narrative perspective, it probably helps that the Timberwolves are only on national TV like once in the first three months of the season, um, which is, that's another, I guess I did talk about that a few weeks ago. It's pretty obnoxious, but um, Ant's not going to play that game. I think this is a pretty clear indicator of that. All right. I want to spend next segment talking about Josh Minot. Uh, one of last year's rookies in the final segment previewed Wendell Moore Jr. Could either of them break into the rotation this season? And uh, what I'm excited about most from uh, from those two here going into year two at the NBA level. We'll get to all that here next. Today's episode of Lockdown Wolves is brought to us by our friends at DoorDash. If you need fresh groceries for the week, but you don't have time to get to the store, and uh, I mean, we're going into the weekend, but same, I don't, I have a busy weekend planned I don't think I'm going to go to the store. Try grocery delivery from DoorDash. You'll get everything you want delivered when you need it right to your door. You've trusted DoorDash to deliver your restaurant favorites, and you can now get grocery delivery that actually delivers too. With thousands of grocery stores to choose from, you'll find the best in your neighborhood and boost your your local economy with each other. 
with each and every order. You'll get exactly what you ordered or they'll make it right. So sit back and enjoy quality groceries just like you picked them yourself. You want even more value, you can save on all your grocery and restaurant favorites with a $0 delivery fee on all eligible orders with a Dash Pass membership. With easy substitutions right in the app and best-in-class customer support, DoorDash delivers groceries exactly how you want it. The Dash Pass membership is the way to go. I actually just signed up this week and we had used a a different grocery delivery service at times and uh, I'm so excited to use DoorDash and because it's also my preferred delivery service so for food. So to be able to use it for both is a massive win. You get 50% off your first DoorDash order up to a $20 value when you use the code LOCKDOWNNBA at checkout. Limited time offer, terms apply. That's 50% off up to $20, no minimum subtotal, and zero delivery fees on your first order when you download the DoorDash app in the App Store and enter the code LOCKDOWNNBA. Don't forget, that's code LOCKDOWNNBA for 50% off your first order with DoorDash. A big thank you once again for making Lockdown Wolves your first listen every single day. Of course, every day is we'll be back on Monday. Next week, the Timberwolves play on Thursday in Abu Dhabi against the Dallas Mavericks. So we'll get into previewing and doing a, a, a postgame podcast late next week uh, from the first preseason game. They also play next Saturday. So we'll have two preseason games to talk about in the next, uh, I don't know, eight days or so. So um, again, daily Monday through Friday. So make sure you're following and subscribed wherever you like to listen or watch podcasts. All right, let's talk about Josh Minot. If you are a regular listener of this podcast or if you've checked in at times over the last year, you'll know Josh Minot is one of my absolute favorite subjects. And you know what? I told myself I'd do a full Josh Minot show this offseason, and I didn't get to it. Uh, I hope we get to see some flashes early and then I could justify it because I'm going to cram a lot of Josh Minot into the next eight minutes or so because I really, really like him as an NBA player. And the Timberwolves, I don't know what his... I'm going to start here. I don't know how he cracks the rotation, given the way this roster has been assembled, but he's got to play. I truly believe Josh Minot has to get an opportunity to get run for this year's team. Why? Well, let's start with, I mean, it was just a little over a year ago that he was drafted. Let's start with what his profile was as a draft prospect and what what the Timberwolves were expecting when they drafted him. He's six foot eight, has a six foot 11 wingspan. He's basically a four in today's NBA. He's really a three that could play small ball four. Um, but 6'8", 6'11", wings is great size. He has off-the-charts athleticism, and we saw that in Summer League each of the last two years. If you watched him in the G League, it, it was clearly on display. The best thing, in addition to his size and athleticism, is the upside, both defensively and rebounding, and this is, yes, in part because of his size and athleticism and because of his nose for the ball and his high motor, it's the perfect combination. It's exactly what you're looking for. Like everything about him screams lottery pick. The only reason he wasn't a lottery pick. And remember he was a second round pick by the wolves last season in, in summer of 22. The only reason he wasn't a lottery pick was because of the, the lack of a jumper and the fact he only started five games in college for a smaller D one for Memphis, right? Not a power five school. Um, That's it. And at the time, John Hollinger of the athletic and of course, formerly of the Memphis front office and and et cetera, he actually had mine as a lottery pick in his his big board before the draft. Similarly to this year, actually, Sam Vecini over at the Athletic had uh, Jalen Clark as a lottery pick, and or, excuse me, not Jalen Clark, Leonard Miller as a lottery pick. The other Timberwolves second round pick, um, and the Wolves got him in the second round. But Minot was a second round pick, was a was a lottery pick uh, in John Hollinger's mind, you know, a little over a year ago. Because everything else, he's got an NBA body, NBA athleticism, high motor, high upside. 
He just only started five games in college. And it's it's just so crazy. If you look at his college rate-based stats, let's talk about rebounding first. He had a 15.7% defensive rebound rate in college, okay? And I said he only started five games. He played 33 games, 500 minutes. So, like, it's not a ton of minutes, but it's he wasn't hurt. Like, he he wasn't... He was he was a rotation guy, right? He just didn't um, he didn't start regularly for them because he was so young and so raw. And but when he got on the floor, he was extremely effective. So rebound rate in college, fifteen point seven percent defensive rebound rate last year. That would have been second on the Timberwolves. Now this is not apples to apples. Excuse me, it would have been second. I sort of total rebound rate, defensive rebound rate would have been fifteen point seven percent. So that would have been fourth on the Wolves. Behind Gobert, Nas, Carl Anthony Towns. Um, it's not apples to apples. You're not going to translate that rebound rate directly to the NBA, obviously, right? But it's still pretty impressive. Total rebound rate in college, he was a 14.4%. That would have been fourth on the or fifth on the Wolves. Well, actually, no, fourth on the Wolves. <laughs> fifth, if you include himself and his 100 minutes he played. Behind only Gobert, Nas, Luca Garza, and we're talking about a guy that was really a three is really a three because of his size, athleticism, nose for the ball. So, no, he's not a dominant rebound by any rebounder by any stretch of the imagination, but he's got all the tools to be a plus rebounder, a plus-plus rebounder, especially for his position if he's playing the three. Now, I think the Wolves will mostly want to play him at the four anyway, um, but the the upside rebounding the basketball is so, so important for a team like this that was bottom five on both ends of the floor for team offensive rebound rate and defensive rebound rate, to add a guy like this to the rotation would be huge. Uh, Steal rate, block rate, this is where it gets, uh, I don't know, crazy is probably the best word to use. His block rate in college was 5.4%, which again, for a guy that played his his role, is off the charts. Um, Rudy Gobert last season for the Timberwolves led the team with a 3.9% block rate. Minot was 5.4% in college. Nas was 3.7%. Um, it, last year for the Wolves. Minot, by the way, only played in 15 games of the NBA, 96 minutes. He had an identical block rate as he had in college, 5.4%. Obviously, tiny sample size. I get it, uh, but still worth pointing out. Um, I can't... The I said this the other day when I was previewing somebody else, but the... Oh, no, here we go. His, his block rate... That can't be right. His block rate in... Is that true? His block rate. Hang on a second. I was gonna I was gonna list his block rate in the G League, but it according to uh according to the G League stats site, it's like off the charts. So I explained this the other day. The G League stats on basketball reference separate out regular season in the showcase cup, so it like splits them in half basically, and you can't combine the rate-based stats. But on the actual G League site, you can. And so I went over there to grab these these stats, and that, yeah, that block rate isn't right. Unless it's, oh, okay, I see what they did. Basically, his block rate in the G League, we'll call it, we'll say it's about 4.5%. So the 4.7% regular season, 4.3% in Showcase Cup, which is still really good. It still would have been the best block rate on the Timberwolves. 20 games in the G League, 4.5 block rate, would have been better than Rudy Gobert last year on the Timberwolves. So this guy's going to block shots. We saw this in his limited NBA action. We saw the chase down blocks, the trail blocks. Um, it, really impressive. The Coming for the weak side, on ball, like, it's basically like 
a bigger, and I don't know that he's actually bigger, a similarly sized, but somehow looks bouncier version of Jaden McDaniels. I don't know that he's got quite the lateral quickness on the ball. He's, I'm not saying he's going to be Jaden McDaniels, but off the ball, he could be even more impactful. Like if you've got Jaden McDaniels locking down point of attack and you have Josh Minot roaming to get these blocks and steals, I mean, that's scary if you're the opposing offense. That is a massive, massive uh, front line. Um, steal rate. In college, Josh Minot had a 3.1% steal rate. Again, context. That would have led the Timberwolves last season. Easily. Um, it also, by the way, would have led the led the league, I believe. It would have been the best steal rate. Yeah, it would have. It would have been the best steal rate in the entire NBA last season. 3.1% is what he did in college. Again, that's not necessarily going to happen with a full slate of minutes at the NBA level. But... It's a good representation of just how impressive he can be and his nose for the ball. His high motor, his size, his athleticism, it's the do-stuff ability that I talk about on the show all the time that the Timberwolves simply did not have last year. I mean, who is giving them that, right? They were getting that from anybody, literally anybody. Like, there were some, like, obviously Rudy blocked shots and, you know, Ant got some steals and Mike Conley got some steals and that's great. And Jaden was on ball defense, but you didn't have anybody that was off the ball wreaking havoc. Like on a regular basis. Torian Prince, that wasn't that's not his MO. That's not how he played. Kyle Anderson, he does it in a in a in a less athletic way, right? Like he'll occasionally get a nice steal or a nice block off the ball, but his activity level, it's more he's in the right place at the right time. He's not flying everywhere, right? Um Jordan McLaughlin doesn't have the size to truly be impactful in that way. Go up and down that it, like Bryn Forbes is in the rotation at times. Austin Rivers, like those guys didn't have the size, the athleticism any of that stuff, to have the impact that Josh Minot can have. And he's somebody that can play the three and the four. Now, I said this earlier. I don't know what, like, I don't know where he gets his minutes in this rotation. And we'll talk here in a minute about how some of the additions kind of tip us off about what the Wolves think about Wendell Moore Jr. But I don't know where he cracks. I don't know where um, where Josh Minot cracks this rotation. Like, he's, he's not going to play ahead of McDaniels or Anderson, obviously. And I guess you could argue maybe he's, and he's not your backup four because you have Nas Reed who's going to be your backup four. So I think he's next man up if there's foul trouble for Cat, Rudy, or Nas, or maybe even Kyle Anderson. I think he's probably like the the fifth guy in that kind of rotation of fours and fives, which means because they're all going to play, like Cat and Rudy are going to start, but Nas and Kyle Anderson are both going to see pretty heavy minutes. If one of those guys gets into significant foul trouble early, I think mine is next man up. Um, I think he's going to have a leg up on Leonard Miller. Yes, Miller's got a little bit more size in my net. He's probably your fourth string center, if you will. But I think, I, and we'll preview Miller next week, but I think my net's going to have an inside track on getting some minutes there. So if you see Rudy pick up two quick fouls, you're going to see Cat and Oz on the floor together, and Kyle Anderson will be your backup four. But then who's the next guy in that rotation to play a few minutes a game? I think it's Josh Minot. One last really quick thing about Minot. Last year, there was a brief moment when he got into some games uh, at the end of quarters and was kind of like, a, you know, hey, let's throw this guy out there to try and get a stop at the end of a quarter guy. Like uh, there was a win against Dallas um, last year where he only played about a minute. And it was that it was he came in for a couple defensive stops at the end of quarters, point of attack type, uh, you know, like, hey, this is a defensive possession. We're going to make a defensive sub. And he was he was good. Right. He didn't play in a single game last season where the margin of victory or defeat was less than 10 points, was was less than double figures. Um, doesn't mean all of the games that he was in were blowouts, but most of them were. In fact, he only played in one, two, three, four. 
So only four of the 15 games he got into was the margin of victory less than 20 or defeat. So he was mostly playing garbage time minutes last year. The one game where he played, he he played more than 10 minutes uh, three times. Okay. One of those games, he had 11 points and five rebounds. Another one, he had six points and three rebounds. The other game when he played 29 minutes. So by far his biggest minute total, he had 12 points, 11 rebounds, two blocks and a steal. He also committed four fouls, and that's going to be something to keep an eye on, too, with somebody with as little experience as Josh Minot. But when he's out there, they're going to say, hey, just go hard. Don't worry about foul trouble, right? And when he, the one game where he got significant run, he had a double-double with a couple blocks and a steal. So I, I think they've got to find a way to get Josh Minot on the floor more often this year. I don't know what that's going to look like. I think he's probably the 11th or 12th guy. Um, hopefully there's no injuries, but inevitably there will be some, and I think he'll get his opportunity. And I have a feeling, I don't, I'm not saying it's exactly, he's not the same player as Jared Vanderbilt, to be clear. I'm saying the situation could be like Vando. Vando wasn't in the rotation early that season when he broke out with the Wolves. He just wasn't in the rotation. And I'd been saying all offseason, they got to find a way to get him in. They got to find a way to get him in. And they needed some energy in a game. They put him in the game, but they couldn't take him back out. And he became a mainstay in the rotation. I think Josh Minot's similar in that sense. I think he will get a chance at some point, and he won't let go of it. The Timberwolves will have no choice but to find a spot for him. I don't know if that means, you know, that uh, Troy Brown Jr. loses a rotation spot. Um, not identical in terms of positionality there, but like, um, I think I just made up a word. But like, somebody's going to have to lose their spot in the rotation for Minot to get minutes, and I think it will happen at some point, probably sooner rather than later. All right, let's close by talking about last year's other draft pick, and that's Wendell Moore Jr. We'll get to that here next. All right, so Wendell Moore Jr. was last year's other rookie for the Timberwolves, um, and he actually saw more playing time than Josh Minot saw, but certainly was, I would say, more underwhelming, if you will. Um, Now, the profile of Wendell Moore Jr. when the Timberwolves drafted him was that he was more of a, and he was, by the way, a first-round pick, right? Whereas... um, whereas Minot was a second rounder, Wendell Moore was the 26th overall pick in the draft and had a bit more of a college pedigree because he played at Duke and played three seasons at Duke. So he's you know not old, but older, certainly older than Minot. And so he got a bit more run at the NBA level, a bit less run in the G League. In 13 games in the G League, I didn't even give the, the overall stats for Minot in the G League, but for more in the G League, in 13 games, he averaged 19 points per game. Uh, five assists, five rebounds. He did shoot 37% from three. So the G League numbers were actually somewhat encouraging for Wendell Moore. The NBA level, though, he he just looked like, it looked like the game was a little too fast for him at times. He played in 29 games, had two starts, still was only 153 minutes total. Uh, and I thought he looked pretty good defensively, uh, which, is, which is important, right? That's going to be kind of the key for him to get on the floor. But you can't be a minus offensively and, and you know, Frankly, he he was a minus offensively again in very short minutes. He was forty two percent shooting from the field, only twelve percent from beyond the arc, eleven point eight percent. The total numbers were two of seventeen on three point shots, which obviously he's got to make some threes if he's going to stay on the floor. My take on him as a draft selection was he was what I was calling a two way role player. What I mean by that is he's not going to be a star. I think the ceiling is relatively low, but I thought the floor was pretty high. I think that he was likely to be, and still could be, a, a good 3 and D player, rotation type guy. I think his ceiling is is kind of a starter, you know, fourth or fifth option, a solid guy. I think most likely he's a rotation guy in the NBA, eighth, ninth guy in a roster, which is the type of player the Wolves needed to, to build with. Um, and now I, I think an indicator of, where the Wolves think he is, 
is that they signed Nikhil Alexander-Walker, Troy Brown Jr., and Shake Milton, right? They're not all the same position or role as as Wendell Moore, but everything he, you could say, well, maybe he could be this guy in the rotation. Maybe he could be your de facto backup point guard. Maybe he could, you know, step in and play some defense. Maybe he could be, uh, you know, like the Jalen Noel role last year. Well, no, the Wolves filled all those roles already. So that tells me they don't think Wendell Moore Jr. is ready. And also, by the way, I agree with that. And the Wolves are expecting to be a contending team. Like, And by that, I mean a top four or five seed in the West. They need to win a playoff series. Of course, you want to bring in some more known quantities, which all of those guys that I just stated are more known quantities than a second-year guy who played 29 games last year. But more, I, I think the idea of him as a two-way role player makes sense still. He's 6'5", seven-foot wingspan, very good size. Again, I thought he was good defensively last year in limited minutes. Um, was very, very good in college defending the pick and roll. And I thought he was good last year when he got the opportunity. He's a, a little bigger than one of my comps for him was a bigger version of Josh Kogi, also with a jumper. Like, I know he didn't shoot the ball well at the NBA level, but in college, he was 41% on three-point shots his last year at Duke. He was also over 50% in catch-and-shoot opportunities overall in college, which is crazy. Again, relatively small sample because college, but impressive. And while that didn't pop through in his small sample at the NBA level, it was okay in the G League. So there is some offensive game there for Wendell Moore. And that's why I say two-way role player. I think modest athleticism and the fact that he just hasn't dominated offensively really ever. um, And and the fact the Wolves don't need him to be dominant offensively. I think two-way role player is still probably, you know, high floor, low ceiling type of a guy. Um, So I think there's still hope there, right? Like as a first round pick, he's got two more years after this one, very likely to prove himself. So they're essentially buying him one more year, telling him, hey, you're going to be our 12th, 13th guy. Um, Like, I just don't I don't see where he's going to see minutes this year at all because of all those signings they made. Right. So in the backcourt, you've got Conley, Edwards, uh, Shake Milton, all are certainly ahead of him. And then you can. We can talk you know, wings, I guess, to kill Alexander Walker, Troy Brown Jr. Like they're not all entirely interchangeable, but right there, that's five guys for those two positions. And then probably depending on the situation, is it Jordan McLaughlin? Is it Wendell Moore Jr.? I mean, I tend to think they're still going to lean McLaughlin if they need somebody to run the offense. If you need a stop, you need some size. Wendell Moore is going to be an option. So I think he's somewhere in that 11th to 13th guy range, along with Jordan McLaughlin and Josh Minot. Um, it's going to depend on you know situational opportunities. I would imagine he'll get more opportunity in the G League this season because he's got to show that he grew from his rookie year. And uh, again, like there there is some upside there for him to be a a, a plus two way role player, if you will. Um, I just clearly they didn't think he was ready to have a a rotation role yet for a team that's trying to win fifty games this year. I mean, let's just call it what it is. Like he wasn't ready for that. But well-rounded two-way role player is certainly in the cards for Wendell Moore Jr. if he continues to progress as uh, as I believe he can. Um, so that's kind of where I'm at. I don't think either Minot or Moore have rotation roles from day one. I don't think there's any question. And I'll just rattle off the top 10 in the rotation in no particular order. I mean, your starters are Conley, Edwards, McDaniels, Cat, and Rudy, right? Your next five are Shake Milton. Uh, again, in no particular order, but I guess going from guards to centers, Shake Milton, Troy Brown Jr., Nikhil Alexander-Walker, Kyle Anderson, Nas Reed, right? That's 10. Like, neither of these guys are ahead of those 10. And then I think it depends on the matchup. It depends on who's in foul trouble. It depends on injuries. But in some order, your 11, 12, 13 guys are uh, 11th, 12th, and 13th guys are Josh Minot, Wendell Moore Jr., and Jordan McLaughlin. Next up, next week, we'll talk uh, Leonard Miller and probably Leonard Miller and Jordan McLaughlin and maybe Nas Reed on Monday. 
because uh, those guys are, at least in the case of Miller and McLaughlin, your other two fringe rotation guys. And so I think we'll do the two of them Monday. I'll probably do Nas on Tuesday. But we'll continue this roster preview, what I think roles will be in light of what they did last year and what the roster has turned out to be this season. Uh, so that's what we'll do here at the start of next week. And then preseason action picks up next Thursday. So get excited for that. I mean, uh, and also training camp news, like who's the winning who's winning those battles for the last two-way spot, the 15th roster spot if they fill it. There's plenty to talk about here in the next week and really excited for actual basketball less than a week from now, six days till the opening of preseason for the Timberwolves and Mavericks next Thursday. All right, that's all we got for you today. Again, we'll be back on Monday. A big thank you for making Lockdown Wolves your first listen every day. Of course, this show is free and available everywhere, including YouTube, as well as all of your favorite audio platforms. Wherever you listen to podcasts, you can find Lockdown Wolves. You can also watch on the Lockdown Sports Minnesota app on both Roku and Amazon Fire TV. And you can follow on Twitter at Lockdown T Wolves and also at B Beacon with two B's, two E's, C K E N. Of course, the Lockdown Wolves podcast is part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. Remember, the Lockdown Network is your local experts on all the biggest stories. Once again, I'm Ben Beacon. This is the Lockdown Wolves podcast, and we'll catch you next time.